great to see you all. Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Don't you love the worship we've had this morning? Yeah. Let's give our combined worship yeah. a It's not easy coming together from different uh, ministries to put on such an amazing worship, and they really worked hard. Yeah. And so I, I'm impressed. I hope you are too. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Come on, man. And I'm impressed with you. Y'all made it out here. We've never been here before. Isn't that crazy? Some of you had to drive much farther to make it here. Some of you had to drive much shorter to make it here. But either way, we're happy you made it here. Give yourself a hand. Now today, um, I'm going to tell you something that dawned on me while I was in Panama. Not, not Panama. 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 I just want to make sure you know that. I learned that. I was wondering why everyone in that country was pronouncing their name wrong. Anyway. You know, we were there, and we were there for a conference to learn and whatnot, but one of the brothers said, man, you've got to go look and do the tour of the Panama Canal. Right. And I didn't have time to, but he was just telling me, man, it's an engineering marvel and all these cool things, and it'll be so awesome. I go, wow, that sounds exciting. So I tell Reese, because Reese was my traveling partner, I said, man, we've got to go take a tour of the canal because they're going to tell us all these things about the engineering marvel that it is. And he said, eh. He goes, I saw a lot of fishing boats. Let's go out fishing. Because I can't go back to my son and tell him we went and looked at a canal. I got to tell him we went fishing. And I realized how different we were right then and there. And you know what else I realized? I'm the one dying in the zombie apocalypse. Because Reese can get out there and he could fish. He could hunt. He could climb. I can be prey. <laughs> I can be fate, and I can marvel at an engineering feat someone else did. You know, it reminded me of something. I'm going to tell you, this is a Chinese proverb, see? So we're, we're just so multicultural here. I told you about Panama. I'll teach you about a Chinese proverb that you didn't know was Chinese. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Once again, I will die in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> but this passage is important. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Because it was very interesting. Even this week, I was talking to my mom, and she's staying with me, and she, and she told me, and I won't go into the names, you probably won't know them, but a prominent person that was friends with my sister, she committed suicide in the Korean community. And, uh, you know, had a prominent father, came from a prominent family, came from wealth, and she committed suicide. And I realized we live in a world where people are very lonely. You watch it on the news all the time now. It's just become almost an epidemic, almost glamorized. How many people are ending their lives early, but one of the biggest reasons why is we are lonely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
We are more connected and yet more disconnected than ever before. And I realized Jesus understood this would be our problem today. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he got a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Bummer to be Zebedee. (laughs) But there was something about the call that Jesus gave them that made them go, hot dog, I'm going. And you know what it was? He says, I'm going to teach you to fish. If you, sometimes we come to church because we want fish given to us. Okay. Sometimes we come to church and say, hey, can someone be my friend? Sometimes we come to church and go, can you feed me? But the Bible actually says, Jesus kind of said, I want to teach you something. I'm going to teach you to fish. And you're going to be more satisfied than ever before. You go fish for what? Fish for friends. Fish for partnership. Fish for relationship. Fish for love. We're going to look at the backstory here. Yvonne read the passage. Let's reread it again. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Come on, Dave. This is backstory to this passage. Many of us have believed because of the influence of what I say Western culture. My wife, she's a therapist, and, and, and they do classes like on cultural differences. And what we consider America or European culture is what we call, you know, it, it's very individualized. Aside from that, many cultures are what you call very communal. And when we think, we always think in America, everything's individualized, individually wrapped, individually cater, catered to us. And actually, we start thinking that's what Christianity is. It's my own walk with God. It's my own individual space. It's private. It's secret. And it's just mine, 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 mine. (laughs) And God says, no. When you are in me, you are partnered. Luke chapter 5. We see in Luke chapter 5, in the beginning... Peter, Jesus didn't just walk up to Simon, who later is Peter. So you'll see Simon and Peter, the name switched around. He didn't just walk up to him with, you know, hypno eyes and say, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And everyone goes, yes, master. You know, it doesn't go that way. I'm telling you, when I read the Bible, sometimes I think, it just seems, things seem to happen so easy and quickly, right? Sometimes you'll read one part of the Bible and go to the next page, and ten years have passed. That's how you feel after a while as a parent. (laughs) You know, you blink and you go, wait a second, 10 years passed. Who is this child who now has facial hair? (laughs) Anyways, right here, we see Jesus. He goes up and he's actually preaching and there's this huge crowd following him. Paparazzi-like crowd. People who go, hey, they want to touch him. They want to, you know, get his attention. They want to talk to him. They want to connect with him. They go, Jesus, Jesus, right here. Here, Jesus, look here, Jesus. Just like that. That's the moment. 
And Jesus says, man, I want to preach them. I want to teach them. So he finds Simon Peter and he says, hey, can I sit in your boat? Can we kind of row out a bit? I could sit in your boat and preach from the water. Does that make sense? Isn't that cool? I get like a background track. <laughs> it's a mixtape. Did Chris Jordan say mixtape? Okay, that was Chris Jordan. He is in his 40s. And that's what we say, mixtape. That's how old we are. You, you go one other generation, it's a CD. And now you young people say it's a playlist. Old man identifier right there. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, we see. So, Peter and Jesus are sitting on the boat, he's preaching, and then Jesus tells Peter, hey, what I want you to do is go farther out into deeper water. Now, Peter had been fishing the night before, and it was a goose egg evening. Did not catch a thing. But Peter said, hey, he had spent some time listening to Jesus and realized, hey, this guy might know what he's talking about. He says, because you say so, I will put out the deeper waters. And let's see what happens right here. <clears throat> In verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For, all, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. And you go, okay, what's going on here? How did Jesus teach people to fish? The first thing is he begins with this thing called partners. I want you to understand, in this passage, Simon, James, John, they were not strangers to each other. The one word that's repeated here in this passage is partner. Before Jesus called them, they were partners. They were fishing partners. Before they were called, they were partners. They were in different boats, but they were working together. They were partners. Did you know we can do that today? Amen. Did you know we can come from different boats and still partner? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We got a few boats in here. Amen. Depending on how you look at it. We could have the East Cities boat. We could have the Faith Point boat. We could have the married boat. We could have the married with kids boat. We could have the mature disciples boat. We could have the gateway singles boat. We could have the young singles boat. We could have the teen boat. We could have the campus boat. We have all these boats right here. And part of being with Jesus is going, man, I can be from a different boat, but we could still be partners. Jesus begins with partnership. That's why we're here today. A lot of us, we go, well, why did we come here? What is this location? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. We're going to look at how Jesus taught people to fish. And you go, oh, for evangelism? No. Actually, we're going to talk about how Jesus got people to partner. Because I think that's the hurdle for us today. Amen. To go, who am I partnering with? 
Not who's helping me, because that's someone giving you a fish. Not who am I helping? Because I want to talk, because that's you giving someone else a fish. We're going to learn how do we partner? How do we make people into fishers of people? You go, what's this thing that Jesus did first? What he did is this. The way he got them out of the boat is he gave them a purpose. What gets you out of your boat? You've got to have a purpose. He says, you know what? Bag catching the fish. I want you to care about catching people. How many of you want friends in your life? Raise your hand. How many don't? Just <laughs> We should have you raise your hand so we can all just kind of change your mind. Let's be honest. Human beings are different from almost every creature on earth. You know, a lot of creatures, they get popped out and they start running around doing whatever. A horse gets born and it's standing. In minutes. My child, my children get born, and they're not standing for a long, long time, right? And we're carrying them and hauling them around. Creatures, aside from human beings, we need help right at the get-go. We need love. We need encouragement. We need training. We need touch. We need connection. You are born to be with others. And so, Jesus says, you know what I'm going to have you do? Here's your purpose. Fish for people. And guess what they did? They dropped everything. That's what gets us out of our boats. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to first give you a vision so that you can stop sitting in your boat wondering why your boat's so comfortable or comparing your boat to someone else's boat distrusting the people in the other boat, trying to figure out why, you know, we're supposed to get out of the boat. They didn't argue. They just said, you know what, we're going to get out of our boat and we're going to partner and we're going to have a purpose. That's what gets you out of your boat. And some of them, we're stuck today because you don't have a mission. What else happened? Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Good stuff, bro. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Well, so it was about eight days after Jesus said this. We're going to take a look at what Jesus said in a second. He took Peter, John, and James with him and were up on a, up, went up onto a mountaintop to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. That would wake you up, wouldn't it? Yes. Go in the dark, Jesus. <laughs> That would make wake me up. You know, how did Jesus get these people to be partners? Number one, he said, we need to have a purpose that's greater than just sitting in our boat and catching food for ourselves. You know, what else did he do? How did he pull people together? He took them to the mountaintop, and they experienced miracles. I want, you to, I want to show you a picture. Some of you have told this story before. I forget who. I might have told it to all of you. 
But I didn't show you a picture. Amir, can you put up this picture? Look at that fine young man. You know who that is? His name is Nick. He is a teenager. His father said in Australia when I visited, will you hang out with my son? He has a lot of questions about the Bible. I said, okay. I don't consider myself cool or hip or someone who is teen worthy. But I said, fine. What are you going to do? They flew you out there? You go, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't do teen. <laughs> um, I love the teens. I have a teenage son, but I'm just saying. So I said, what, what are you going to say? So I said, sure. And, and the dad says, I have this great idea. I have a friend. He has free tickets. You can go to this place called Scenic World. So I go, okay, we'll go to Scenic World. You go on Scenic World. It's a tram. It's the steepest tram on the planet. It goes straight down to the bottom of a gulch. And Nick and I said, let's take a picture because there are these signs. You can take the tram back up or you can take a hike. And I told Nick, what would you like to do? Because I'm trying to be cool. In my mind, I'm saying, <laughs> and in Australia, they're very polite, just like, uh, you know, that indirect kind of polite that we have in Hawaii. You know, they say, he said, hiking sounds good. That means I want to hike. <laughs> I says, oh, okay. It is the steepest, longest uphill hike I've ever experienced. <laughs> there are a couple things that you got to know about me. I hate hiking. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. And this thing, the, the, you think the gulch landed in the bottom of like a, a mountain? No, we were still in the mountain. It leads to the bottom of the steep, steep ravine, and it's like huge, deep mountain below. And we're climbing up these steep stairs with just like this bar and like death beneath it. <laughs> and so we're climbing up. And he's asking me these deep questions about God. <laughs> it's not easy going up the mountain. You want to see how it looked up there? Amir, I'll put up the other slide. We climb, climb, climb. This is how beautiful it looked. And that's how scared I was. Because, you know, like I, I told him, you know, I'm afraid of heights. So... The actual edge of the cliff was way over there, and I take the picture from here. I'd say, oh, you know. But it was interesting. We just climbed up, and we climbed up, and we climbed up, and Jesus pulled these three together because he said, we're going to go up this mountaintop. And we're going to go up this mountaintop, and we're going to pray. And we get up there to pray. Guess what? You're going to see miracles. Jesus shining like the sun. We're talking about Moses and Elijah. Do you know who those people are? Those are like the prophets of prophets to the Jewish people. The top of the flight. A number one people of their religion. All hanging there with glowing Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that wake you up? I think they were falling asleep because they were tired. But then when they saw the miracle, it gave them energy. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17 just to kind of look more deeply at this occurrence. Okay. 
Let's just get a picture of what Jesus would do for people. That's how you know you're with Jesus, that Jesus is somehow bonding you with people. Maybe people you've been close to for a while, maybe people you need to get close to now. And he's pulling you together. And he's trying to figure out the connections. These guys are all partners in fishing. He's saying, well, let me figure out how to partner you. You know why we're coming here? Is so that we can partner with each other. There's an intent. And I'm trying to figure out, Edgar and I, we, we talked yesterday, and, and uh, we, we are big fans of each other. And he's like, you're a good man, Dave. And I said, Edgar, I'm with you forever. You, you've become such a best friend of me in a certain amount of time. We're all emotional on the phone. That was our conversation yesterday. But you got to understand, what helps is when we don't feel alone. And many of us feel alone in whatever situation we're in, and we go, hey, let's pull together so we can build more relationship with people who might have something in common with us. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. After church, figure out who's in your life stage. Figure out who has something in common with you. And I want you to make a bond. Amen. Don't get political. Don't get afraid. Get giving. I want you to fish today. Let me tell you some of the life stages we have here, if you want to know. All right? Yeah. We have married people. You don't have to cheer. <laughs> some of you probably should, because your spouse will ask you. I noticed you were quiet when Dave said the word. It all depends on what kind of spouse you have, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we have married people! Supervision. We call those super parents. If you're a super parent, raise your hand. Cool, look at that. You're sitting all apart from each other. Find each other, hug each other, cradle each other, cry together. You are tired, you are anxious, you are distracted. You say, I'd love to talk to a super parent, but I got my super kids running all over the place. That's why we need the other parents to help out. You go, what other parents do we have? We call them wise parents. You go, what do you mean? Our teenagers, we want to call our teens empowered teens. Between empowered and supervised is what we call our youth ministry. So we call them youth super empowered. How does that sound? And why? That spells wise, Y-S-E. We have our wise parents. If you have kids in that youth age, somewhere between 6th and 8th grade, raise your hand. Yay! Look at you, are all scattered. No excuse. Michelle Patel is back there. Look back at him. Stand up, Michelle. Stand up. He says, can we have all the wise parents come to me after church? He and Alvin had talk, Alvin Dallas, and he says, hey, let's figure out somewhere we can go for lunch afterwards and just bomb. Amen. Sound good? Yeah. We have poets. You go, what are poets? Parents of empowered teens. If you're a poet, raise your hand. If you're a teen, raise your hand. There you go. Be proud. Our teens need to spend time, and our parents of empowered teens need to spend time. Sound good? 
Now, one of our highlights of our church is our mature disciples ministry. That could be an empty nester. It could be a mature disciple. It could be our mature women. It could be anyone who's mature. And you know what I find? They kind of cross lines regarding life stage. You could be single, married, you know, left-handed, right-handed. <laughs> Tall, short. You just got to be mature. If you're immature and you like the horse around, don't come. <laughs> we need people who have humor, but yet death. <laughs> like a fine wine. <laughs> if you're a mature disciple, raise your hand. Yay! Look, we have quite a few. We have our campus ministry. They're the people who are taking all our money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have the ministry very close to mine, Robin's heart, our singles ministry. Yeah. Awesome. We, we got to just figure out, hey, it doesn't matter where you're from, let's bond. It doesn't matter if you speak English or Spanish, let's bond. I think when it comes to our kids, it's a real reason why we kind of reach across the boats to partner. Amen? Amen. We've got to partner with purpose. Jesus is the example. He says, okay, I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you a purpose. Jesus is the example of how he pulls people together. He says, let's make it up that mountaintop. See the miracles. Pray. What else does he do? Let's go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face to the ground, terrified. Isn't that interesting? I don't know about you. When I read the Bible, sometimes I don't notice the exclamation mark. And I always think of God as like, oh, you know, with an English accent, deep voice that I don't have, being very nice. But God's kind of rebuking Peter, and Peter gets scared because he's blabbing on and on. Stop talking, listen. And what do the disciples do? They cower in fear. And then what happens with Jesus? He says, Verse 7, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about looking and seeing no one but Jesus in a second. But here's the interesting thing. What can bond us? Sure, having a mission, that's glorious. What can bond us? Sure, climbing up the mountaintop, being frightened and insecure and scared together, looking, praying and seeing the amazing miracles that happened, that could bond us. But this is a very embarrassing moment for Peter. God rebukes him. You know, that's very specific. Sometimes, have you ever felt rebuked by God by your circumstances? Yeah. You know, like this happened, that happened, and you go, oh, God's probably humbling me. This is God wanting to humble you so much, he takes the time out to speak to you. <laughs> he says, be quiet. So much so they just fall face down in fear. And guess what? Jesus touches them. 
And he encourages them. He tells them, don't be afraid. That's how Jesus bonds people. He encourages us through our embarrassments. He does. He'll pull us together. He will love us. He'll build us up, even in circumstances that are embarrassing. You know about, I don't know about you, but when I get embarrassed, I want to hide it. When I get embarrassed, I don't want to tell the story. When I make a mistake, I want to find a rug and sweep away. If I could vacuum it, I would. What Jesus does is sometimes we've got to be so willing to be embarrassed in front of each other and just together be encouraged by Jesus. Amen. That's what happened there. And lastly, what do we see? Here's a complicated part of this passage. It says, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Then the disciples asked them, then, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. I've read this passage, and I've gone, what is going on? They go up to this mountaintop. God rebukes them. Jesus touches them. He says, don't be afraid. And he says, by the way, keep this amongst us until I raise again. You okay? Huh, why is that? Like what, right? Secondly, they go, well, what about Elijah? I thought he was supposed to come first. So let's, let me give you some more backstory. You want to hear some? Yeah. Wait, like, where does this all come from? Here's the thing. The Jews believe, in, in the Old Testament, it said Elijah would come before the Messiah. He cleared the way for the Messiah. Now, here in their minds, they did not quite know who John the Baptist was at that point. John the Baptist was the Elijah to clear the way for the Messiah. So when they're sitting there at the mountaintop, they see Elijah for the first time. They're thinking, wait a second, Jesus came first, and Elijah is second. So that doesn't seem like it's in line with scriptures. That's why they're going, well, wait a second. If you're going to raise from the dead, why did Elijah come after you? That means you're not the Messiah. And so Jesus said, no, Elijah had already come. It's John the Baptist. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, why did Jesus say, keep this quiet? I want you to understand. If you saw Jesus glowing in the dark, and you came down from that mountaintop, and he was hanging out with Elijah and Moses, what's the first thing you're going to do? Tell your friends. Yeah. He goes, hey, hey, guess what Jesus did? This is, Jesus is awesome. He's this. He's that. This is what happened. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to even mention that until one thing happens. And he says, until I'm raised from the dead. Why? Because he says, that's the thing that matters the most. He says, I want you to focus on two things. Even though we've had this mountaintop experience, I want you to focus on two things. I will suffer and I will raise. Those are the two things I just want you to keep your minds on. I will suffer and I will raise. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. 
In Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You know, a lot of people say that people did not quite understand what Jesus was going to do, that he wasn't going to, they didn't know he was supposed to die. That's why they all scattered. They did not know he was going to raise from the dead. That's why they just ran away when he got crucified. But in actuality, it says at this point in time, he just kept saying it over and over and over again. It's like he's talking to the dog on up. Did you see that dog on up? He's saying, hey, disciples, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die and raise on three on the third day. And the disciples are like, ha, ha, squirrel. <laughs> Guys, pay attention, pay attention. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised in three days. Yeah, 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 squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> And it just said, Jesus kept saying this over and over and over again. He says, forget about the electric glowing me. Forget about seeing the, the prophets. He goes, I need you to focus on the most important thing. What we call the gospel of God. Is that Jesus will die. And not just that he dies, he resurrects. Amen. Because this is the Jesus that we actually believe and follow. We don't follow the dead Jesus. We follow the resurrected one. That's right. You understand that? Because yeah. that's how, you know, why do I want to be a fisher of people? You know what? It said in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let me tell you about real Christianity here. We got a picture of who Jesus was. We just got a picture about how Jesus would teach people and how he would impact them. But let me tell you why that's important for us. Because we believe real faith follows Jesus. We believe that, man, if I am going to be a real Christian, I've got to actually walk in the same way that Jesus does. Amen. Many of us, we're still here trying to get something. It infects your marriage because you're trying to get something from your spouse. It infects your parenting because you're just trying to get something. It infects how you are as a single adult, campus student, a teenager. Because you're not there to go, I want to be like Jesus. I need to get something. I need to get people to like me. I need to get money. I need to get approval. I need to get a spouse. I need to get into this or that. Or I need this to happen. And we go, get, 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 give, 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 give. Yeah. And Jesus says, you know what real faith is? Real faith imitates me. That's right. And so we're looking at Jesus today because you know what? We're supposed to be people who just don't get saved by Jesus. We need to be people who are empowered by Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so today, I want us to go, man, I've got to be like Jesus. Let me be a person who fishes for people. Let me be a person that makes the impact that Jesus does. And what did he do? Here are the practicals for all of us today. Number one, try to be a partnership maker. Don't just be here to figure out who's going to like you. You know what's hard about that? When you're trying to get everyone to like you, you get insecure. I want you to go and talk to someone and say, hey, you know what? I want to introduce you to this person. You know, why isn't Andrew mentioned much? You know, he had a great, he had a great role. We had Andrew here, and who was Andrew? He was Peter's brother. And what he did is he's known as the guy who introduced Peter to Jesus. Maybe Jesus pulled Peter, James, and John together because they didn't have that heart and he needed to spend extra time teaching them. But Andrew knew he was there to build relationships. Not who are you going to get close to, who are you going to help others get close to. Amen. The Bible says blessed are the what? Peacemakers. Can you be the person not drawing people to yourselves, 
but drawing people to others. Amen. Can you be the person today that says, hey, guess what? I want you to meet this guy. Hey, I want you to meet this guy. Hey, let's all do something together. Let's climb up the mountain together. Let's pray together. Let's experience a miracle together. Give each other a purpose. Say, you know what? Let's do something together. So first one, first idea, be purposeful with partnership. Make partnership your purpose today. Be someone who's like Jesus and that people are closer to each other because you are present. I appreciated Annette's story. She says, hey, I have all these partners and they help me. But I know Annette is one of the glue people. She helps them. I sat with one of the sisters, and, and, and there was Annette and Annie Mae, and they were telling me their story. But I just appreciated them going, we're in this together, and we're going to partner together to overcome together. Are you going to gather people? Make it your purpose to partner. Others, not just yourself. What else? Go for the mountaintop miracles. Go for the long climb that makes you pray, and then you see amazing things. We're not talking about the layup miracle. We're not talking about the Wizard of Oz, click your heels, close your eyes, and say something, and then a miracle happens. We're talking about you climbing up that mountain, facing all your fears, saying, hey, let's go up this mountain together. Some of you know in this room you have friends that are not facing their fears. Okay. You have friends who are unhappy and longing and wondering and scared and hurt. And you're not saying, hey, let's climb this mountain together. You gotta call people to go on a hike. Sometimes it's unexpected. I wanna lift up a brother right here. I was talking to George Cable. He, um, his parents lost something in the garbage, his elderly parents, and he was just hanging out with Tyrone, and so they knew that they had to rush and catch a dumpster and dig through it. And George was gonna do it himself, but you know who jumped in with him? Tyrone. Oh, they don't even know each other that well. But I'll tell you, they know each other better now. <laughs> Jump in the dumpster with somebody. Climb the mountain. Do something difficult. Do it so that you have to pray for each other. And then see the vista. And wouldn't that be cool? Don't you want to have an adventure? What else do we see? Encourage the embarrassed. That's what Jesus did. We need to be with each other in humiliating times. Okay. One of the hardest times that we can have is if our marriage isn't doing well. Come on. One of the hardest times we can have is when our children are not getting along with us. Come on. Right? Yeah. Parents? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. When we're failing or flailing or our goals are not being met. When we've had a breakup, when someone's betrayed us. These are times that are super embarrassing because we feel things about it. And God says, Jesus wants to touch you and we need to be people just like Jesus. Are you going to encourage the embarrassed? Are you going to criticize them? Lastly, what we see is Jesus guarded the gospel. Come on. He focused people on him. His suffering and his resurrection. 
for every generation we have here, that reality is relevant to everybody regardless of your age. That's right. The older we get, we go, whew, resurrection's coming. Because this old body is dying. <laughs> when you're young, everything seems like it's the end of the world. Yeah. I can't go to that party! Oh! This friend said I was too fat. Oh! <laughs> My grades aren't good. I'm never going to have a future. Oh! oh, wait, that's what your parents said. <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting, in every stage of life, we need to know that there's suffering and there's a resurrection. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And Jesus said, I'm going to guard the gospel. And you've got to teach people that. Sure, it's great to be close to people. But our partnerships have a purpose. And I want your purpose to be partnership building. Be a relationship broker. Sound good? Amen. I want you to take people to the mountaintop to pray and see miracles. There's a miracle. There's a mountaintop each one of us has to face. Right. Pull someone in with you and say, let's do it together. Amen. I want you to encourage the embarrassed. Because when you feel unloved or you feel sinful, you need it. And let's create a community where we just encourage the embarrassed. That's what Jesus did. That your touch can bring people together. Amen. And lastly, guard the gospel. Let's focus on the suffering of Jesus and the resurrection. Because your pain now can be something amazing later. And we get distracted by it all, from it all the time. Just like the disciples. Sure, Jesus, squirrel, we can be that way as well. Remind everyone. Stand on it. Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to empower us. Amen. He came to empower us to fish for people and never be alone. I'm going to have Edgar close this out. Amen. Amen.